told my amla that uh, the Chinese students said that there was a smell whenever Tibetan students came to the restaurant. Every Tibetan children's trauma built up as a huge scar of our people. But only one of them is one class of, out of the four teaches uh, Tibetan as the second language. And mostly the uh, students from normal areas, they will uh, join that class. So back in Tibet, uh, from my region, it was, uh, it was like a discriminated language. Guy told Gundun uh, that my Amla sent us, sent me and my brother in Excel to learn Tibetan. And what Gundun said was, oh, like, study Tibetan, study Tibetan well. And that's what have kept in me for so many years. And uh, after graduating from Sarah, I was so glad and I feel like, oh, like I did what Gundun told me to do five years ago. When I was in back, uh, back in China and what I am now in Excel, I think every struggles or every minute that I've passed was worth it. In Silence, Voices of Young Tibetans is a podcast presented by the Foundation for Nonviolent Alternatives where young Tibetans share their personal stories, experiences, opinions and journey in exile. Namaste and welcome to our FNVA's podcast, Unsilenced Voices of Young Tibetans. In today's episode, we will engage with a young Tibetan lady who has completed her studies in Chengdu. And after coming to exile, she recently graduated from the College of Higher Tibetan Studies, which is popularly known as Sara. Uh, she heads various organizations and is one among several Tibetan women making much-needed changes in our Tibetan community through her actions. Without any further ado, I welcome our guest, Tenzi Shengila. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you, Shengila. So, Tenzi Shengila, the first question or the first thing that I would like to ask you is, what prompted you as a Tibetan to come from illegally occupied Tibet to India? Um, I think in order to answer your question, I'd better do a brief introduction about myself. So, I was born in India because my mom came to India uh, in the 90s and she gave birth to me. And due to some work struggles, my amla had to send me back to Tibet when I was only uh, three years old. That's how I knew India existed because my momula used to always say that I was from India and my amla still was in India. Uh, that was a sad period about my life, but in 2007, I was able to reunite with my amlas. Since she came back, she decided to come back. And she later on had got like an art-related job in Chengdu. That's how like our whole family moved to Chengdu. And I pursued my studies from the 4th grade to 12th grade in Chengdu, uh, in the Chinese schools in Chengdu, where like about 98% of the students are all Chinese students. So, um, so after completing my uh, high school, uh, the keen question about my future was where should I go uh, get further educated? I had great grades in school, so there was a pretty high hope for me to get into one of the finest universities in China. But my amla had like a wider and deeper vision of my about my future. Uh, so. Uh, she knew very well that if I left our house and went to another Chinese city, I'll come back as a Chinese girl. So that's basically that's how the idea of me coming to India <laughs> evaluated. Okay, so basically you were born in India. Yeah. So any 
memories that you happen to remember, you know, before going back to Tibet? Not much, but my amla used to say that I spoke really great Hindi. Okay. But now I, I don't, I can't, I, I can only go like, oh, namaste, kitna hai, like that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Sure. So, Shingla, you mentioned how, you know, uh, pursuing your studies was an important decision for you to come to India and recently, you've recently graduated from the College for Higher Tibetan Studies, which is, I refer to as Sara, mm -hmm. which is based in Dharamsala. Mm -hmm. So, you studied in Chengdu, which is like basically under China these days. So, was there any sort of differences? What sort of differences did you find like studying there and right now you studied here, right, in India? So, any differences? So, the experience of me coming to uh, Sara College was fascinating, I would say. Uh, I have never ever been a good student in Tibet and back when I was in Tibet. So, uh, Tibetans seem to me as it would, seem, it would have seemed to many youngsters nowadays, hard and boring. Like, uh, but every concept in my mind completely collapsed uh, when I started pursuing my higher studies in Sarah College. There were these extraordinary, uh, great teachers, aka Genlas, <laughs> and yeah, they were like so devoted themselves in raising the next generations of Tibetan speaking and writing youths. They were and still are full of passion to show us the beauty of our traditional cultures which have been passed on for generations of ancestors to us. And they eagerly try to save the precious yet vulnerable language and its branches from the modern diaspora. So, and that's the very reason I got interested in Tibetan more than I thought I would have. And that has completely changed my, changed my plans for my future. In short, I deeply fell in love with this language and its culture, and I would never want to end this relationship. And I would like to acknowledge that I know for sure that the Tibetan Genlas back in Tibet would, wouldn't have any less uh, passion for our culture than the ones in India. Um, anyone who learned the beauty and recognized the value of Tibetan language and culture wouldn't. They were never the reason why I couldn't study Tibetan well back in Tibet. As for the, the uh, what you say, the differences between what I experienced back in Chengdu and what I'm ex experiencing now, I think I haven't been to those uh, colonial boarding schools, but studying in a school where you merely can see another species of your, your own uh, was a completely uh, whole new experience and gave me a huge impact and also some uh, traumas during childhood and adolescence. So uh, like my Amla uh, once said during our one of our long conversations, like, she said, uh, telling a Chinese that you are Tibetan is like getting execution. A simple word Tibetan denies everything about you, every education you've gained, every value you hold being a human being, and immediately cast you out as a nomad yak. And these words of hers hit me even harder now that I'm mature enough to reflect on what has happened to me during uh, when I was a little Tibetan girl uh, and studying in the Chinese schools. Uh, as an outcome of this discrimination, I tried every method to uh, look like a Chinese, to speak like a Chinese, to dress like a Chinese, and even like think like a Chinese. There was a point that I, I went to our hometown temples and I couldn't 
I felt awkward and I couldn't pay homage to the uh, one the statues in the temples. Like it was completely a different routine for me to do that because I was completely transforming myself into a Chinese girl. So yeah, I tried every method to make myself look less of a Tibetan girl. I even, there was once that I felt delighted. I, my, my whole mood was on because a delivery guy said, oh, you don't look like a Tibetan girl because the name on the puzzle was like a Tibetan name. But then he saw me, he was like, oh, you don't look like a Tibetan girl. That just delighted my life, my day of that, yeah, that day. So, but then there was always a trigger, a trigger to reveal my my true identity or something yeah like for example my my name and sometimes my my cheeks turn right when i get shy and that's when they know i know they will know i'm a tibetan girl so i'm different from the han chinese that's just a small part of my story as for some other examples i know that my cousin she went to this beijing school uh, with a lot of Tibetans and she came she had to drop out middle way because she was she had like severe uh, mental issues uh, her amla told my amla my aunt told my amla that uh, the Chinese students said that there was a smell whenever Tibetan students came to the restaurant basically they were discriminating her just because she's Tibetan. Was she a Tibetan but just because of her smell just because I don't, I don't even think there was a smell, but... Okay. Yeah, they, they were say, making up that smell, you know, yeah. so that to give a reason other than, you know, just being a Tibetan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was, like, traumatizing to her and for me as well. So, I am in no position to hand you any data or numbers to show you how much of a damage has this system, this colonial boarding school system caused to our children. Instead, the true stories filled with fear and tear is what I can speak about. It's not a colonization in general, but every Tibetan children's trauma built up as a huge scar of our people. Definitely. And, you know, hearing your tale, it also, you know, sort of <laughs> makes me sad because even though I'm a Tibetan, but I feel privileged to a certain extent, like... Even though I'm not privileged in the sense that I'm living in India, but not having to undergo what you've gone through, so yeah, and thank feels feelings connect each other. Yeah. Definitely, and another thing that you mentioned while you were talking about this was how you know Tibetan teachers inside Tibet they have the same passion, and I think one shining example is Dr. Gelola. Like yeah, his action yeah, yeah, is coming out. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I think it's not like there are no Tibetans who want to do things. It's just the system is so oppressive that you're monitored everywhere. It's like you have to give away a lot, you know, yes. just to uphold your identity. And what you said, you know, certainly it's a certain code among us. So, Shinyala, you mentioned how, you know, you pursued and you finished your studies here. So what are your future plans, though? Like any particular thing that you have in mind, like mm -hmm. moving forward in life? So I'm currently taking a gap year after I graduated uh, from uh, Sarah College and I'm studying Buddhism in the Institute of Buddhist Dialectics, also known as Tsingyitatang. And in addition to this, I am also working a part-time job as a team leader of Tibetan English Text Pairing Correction Project by Mulam AI. They plan to develop the Tibetan artificial intelligence in Excel and that's pretty cool stuff they're doing uh, make sure you guys go check it out so since you mentioned that you know i have a friend working there his name is Tenzin Tile, uh -huh. and he's also joined our podcast session once oh, nice. 
if you know a few details about it, could you expound on what basically they are doing, like what sort of initiatives? So yeah, uh, uh, now they are in the data collecting stage. I think they plan for like three to five years to do all this data collecting, but it just excites me a lot to even think of someday we could say like, we could, uh, we could say like, hey Droma or Dashi instead of hey Siri, hey Google, you know, and the uh, and, uh, Tibetan voice with Tibetan language will answer your questions. Sure. Right? That's so exciting. Yeah, then after that, I plan to start my master's studies next year in the field of Tibetan literature as it would is, uh, it's, it, it is what attracts me uh, the most. Uh, my goal is to pursue my studies until PhD, and I am hoping my studies never leave this, this field of Tibetan studies. So what I'm trying to say here is that, uh, as a wise Indian woman once told me, living is resisting. I think preserving our culture is a form of decolonization. Um, despite the, uh, the struggles I face, I consider these different environments, the one under colonization and the one in exile, as a God-given opportunity to look into our community as an outsider and insider. And any opportunity to examine my own change of the way uh, I think and feel so. I hope to use this experience as an example to encourage more and more Tibetan youngsters to keep our culture alive and be able to pass it on to the next generation. So that's basically what I have a like vivid, not vivid, like a uh, not too vivid uh, future plan of my, myself. I don't know. I think it's very inspiring to see like a you know, yeah, young Tibetan lady like you, you know, doing further studies in the field of Tibetan. And I think personally, in my opinion, I believe we need more such Tibetans, including myself. Even I think I should have followed that route. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, Shingla, you mentioned, you know, the differences between the schools in occupied Tibet and in exile. But one thing that I really want to know, and I think all of us want to know, is is Tibetan being taught inside Tibet to Tibetan schools? So back when I was studying in the Tibetan schools, there was uh, there were like four classes, okay. with three of them teaching English as the English and uh, Chinese as the main language subjects. But only one of them is one class of out of the four teaches uh, Tibetan as the second language, and mostly the. Uh, students from normal areas, they will uh, join that class. So back in Tibet, uh, from my region, it was uh, it was like a discriminated language or a, a lecture or a class to attend. And in China, of course, obviously with like 98%, 99% of the students being Chinese, nobody will teach Tibetan. Basically, there's not even an option to learn Tibetan in Chinese. Of course, of course. Not. We, like, uh, I, have, I have had a few Tibetan uh, classmates, but even when we meet each other, we speak Chinese. We don't speak Tibetan. Mm -hmm. And it, as I mentioned, if we speak Tibetan, that, that immediately reveals our identity as a Tibetan. Mm -hmm. So we avoid doing that. When I was in back, uh, back in China and what I am now in Excel, I think every struggles or every minute that I've passed was worth it. So Shingla, moving up away from your personal theme, I think I'd like to touch upon the recently concluded uh, 16 Tibetan College Students Conference in which you are one of the executives and also the organizers. So could you shed more light on this very conference and what was the result of this year's meeting? 
because as far as I remember, when I was a student at JNU and an executive of the Tibet Forum, uh, this very body helped us, uh, our body, to raise the JNU fee hike, which was impacting the Tibetan students by, you know, bringing this issue up with the then education minister of our Central Tibetan Administration, Dr. Pema Yangchela. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of si similar pressing matters might have been brought at this year's 16th Tibetan College Students Conference. So what really happened and any big resolution that you all have come up with? Yes, I've heard about the GNU case and I'm glad that our organization were to provide of some help. I also know that it's not just our organization, it's like a, a, a lot of people were trying to do that and that's a result of a lot of people's help. So yeah, uh, the Tibetan College Students Conference was first established in the aim of connecting Tibetan college students all over India or even worldwide uh, together, bridging them by discussing various dis uh, issues about our history, culture, and society, and even Buddhism, since there are like some college students from mon monasteries. And it also aims to create a space where the students are able to speak up the mutual obstacles they're facing, uh, like you mentioned, and grant the help we are able to give. So I'm not quite aware of the past year's achievements, but I can tell you that during this year's conference that was held in uh, the Lama Talop, the Lama College in Bangalore, uh, the students came up with an excellent appeal that we should include women figures uh, who, who uh, with great achievements into the school textbook uh, under the CTA education departments. Uh, this very appeal were brought up to encourage young Tibetan girls by showing them this great Tibetan with uh, great Tibetan women with uh, great achievements. For example, Drosa uh, Timalu, she was also uh, like considered the first female empress of the Tibet Empire, and also Magic Labdrin, a great Yogini in Buddhist history, etc. So we are still in the process of taking this draft re resolution to the CTA department, but we are really hoping that this would bring some change in our education system. Definitely, and you know, it's inspiring to hear how through these various organizations you're touching upon themes which are very important to the Tibetan community as a whole to grow up, especially when you mention about bringing up these women figures. I personally, you know, believe what you did there. I mean, your organization did mm. there. Like, we definitely more need more such figures to mm. not only you know uplift our women, our Tibetan women, but you know bring them inspiring figures not only to women, also to men. To I men, think yeah, sure, you know sure. I would be inspired to sure. see her. You know, because yeah, for me, like uh, as an individual, I see my mother as like a really mm. inspiring figure. So I think having such figures definitely helps one's life when growing up. So yeah, a very nice initiative that your organization has come up with. And I hope that it succeeds and more progress can happen in this We're very resolution. Yeah. And Shingla, on top of this, you simultaneously are also an executive of the Global Tibetan People Movement for Middle Way Approach. And we, per we personally had the pleasure of interacting with Tenzi Wangchula, who is one of your executive members as well. So I want to inquire you, what future initiatives does the GTP and MWA in short have? Because we have seen our Sikong Tempasering Lao making clear statements about the middle way policy and how dialogue is the only way moving forward in resolving the Tibet-China conflict. 
what are your takes on it and how do we initiate such a dialogue with PRC in the first place and personally I've seen you and your body doing a lot of work and recently I think you've been to Talawasi to yeah so so our organization has and will always follow the guidelines of His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Our future initiatives will still be aiming at promoting the middle way approach and raising awareness in the Tibetan community and worldwide. As with the concrete plans, we will be holding our 15th uh, founding anniversary around this September in Damsala all the regional members from around 30 different places including five western uh, countries like france swiss canada the states uh, will be attending this ceremony and discussing about this uh, policy so we will also be announcing the winners of the writing competition on the five different topics about the middle way approach we are putting high hopes on uh, publishing the awarded essays into a book because some scholars who were in charge of reading the essays uh, actually commented that there are some pretty good essays with great values in them. So we're really looking forward to publishing the book. Um, and as for me personally, I first knew about this policy like many other people did. It was his tallness, the thoughts, uh, and willing to set aside the conflicts and recognize China as the mainland war was first shocking to me recognizing China as the mainland after knowing the truth just hurts more. However, I was sure that Gundun, uh, the Dalai Lama, didn't just speak about it without, think, without taking any deep thoughts into the matter. So I tried reading books written by Sherab Tage, like uh, in Tibetan we, could, we say and then uh, some books by and Gundum himself. So I tried to put myself in his shoes, in their shoes, to think as they would have thought. Oh, that's when I realized and recognized that the middle way approach as an uh, essential policy to help resolve the Sino-Tibetan conflict. Uh, as for your question, how do we initiate such a dialogue with the PRC in the first place. I think the practical thing our organization could do uh, now is to raise awareness in the worldwide uh, community and try to reach out to as many Chinese we could as possible. Uh, we can only leave the government issues uh, to the, the officials to handle, but we believe that our CTA leaders will surely put, set, put as much effort as they could in uh, starting the dialogues between Tibet, uh, Tibet and China. And Xinglao, on top of this, like um, I mentioned how you, you were doing this tour in the overseas, so you met a lot of Tibetans, no? Mm -hmm. So what were their thoughts when it came to the middle way? I actually made a short reels on Instagram about that. I was interviewing them about what, what, what was their thoughts before and what was their thoughts after the workshop. Uh, there were a lot of... Unfortunately, the truth is that in a lot of Tibetan settlements, there's only the elders left. So there were a lot of elders, but with so much passion about this. Our, uh, about this policy and like uh, support for our organization, a lot of people came, and yeah, most of them they were like, oh, it's it, it's Kundun's idea, so we are supporting it no matter what. There was also this uh, Popola who said that oh, he's actually a Ranzimba, but then he will support the middle way because it's Nimin, like uh, mutual beneficial. Since both 
parties involved here. Yeah, because I, I think that's great because like the ultimate aim or the goal for us is to gain happiness to for Tibetans. Right, so I think no matter what methods we're using, the ultimate goal is the same. So we don't have to. We we're, we're going together. So definitely, support each definitely. Other. Same, yeah. And being a young Tibetan woman in the Tibetan diasporic community, there are numerous challenges one faces in our embedded patriarchal system. We Tibetans embody, and I can give you one example on that. No, like I remember this particularly, like in my own family. Uh, we we used to have family lunch, you know, whatnot together, like gatherings. Like when we had these in home, like it would be like we, <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Like we males or men, for that matter, would not have to do anything. We just have to no wait. Course. They'll cook. They'll bring the food, everything. And at the end of the day, we would be the ones sitting on the table, whatnot, and they would just be on the floor. So there is something there. I think there is a need of change when it comes to this and I think you being a Tibetan woman you must have faced similar problems and if you have done so how did you overcome them? So growing up my Amla has always been a huge inspiration to me uh, she wrote this book Women Rights in Tibetan Society in the 2000s and was one of the first people fighting for women rights in Excel uh, her stories and herself has have always been an encourage uh, have always been encouraging me to face whatever comes in life fearlessly and to think of my future with a broader vision as a woman. So of course I've faced a lot of uh, challenges, uh, but I was lucky enough to have my Amla by my side and my dear friends, both girls and boys, and to help me overcome them. Some NGOs like Chomo with Aja Gesang uh, has also granted me with unforg unforgettable uh, help and support. You mentioned Tomo and Gesang, how they helped you. And in our Tibetan community, we, of recent times, we have a lot of organization, including the official CTA women or organ known as women empowerment as well. So what messages do you have for the other girls facing similar incidents that you had gone through, Shangela? Um, for me, I personally struggled for like about eight months to a year from a traumatizing relationship, but I was glad that I reached out to Ajake Sangla and her Tokpa Tromo Tokpa, and that she also granted me with the help I needed. So, uh, yeah, and after doing that, I've heard that from my school, like, there were two girls who came to me and told me that, oh, Shenila, like, uh, Sheni Karan, uh, like, what you have done inspired a lot, and one hour, when we face the similar situations in our relationship, we t always tell the boy that, oh, uh, leave us alone, or I will, I will tell the police, or leave us alone, or I will uh, call the Pumitokwa, the women helpline, yep. help line. So I am really glad that m my experience, although traumatizing, could be helpful for other girls. And I wish uh, the, the message I have for the, all the other girls out there so if you're facing something, it's not your fault. It's it's nothing to be scared of. You have to reach out to help, and there is always help uh, provided. Definitely, Shengla. And oh, since you mentioned your Am Amla, your Amla, I think most of us know, name is Pegala. Yes. And among the Tibetan Bohemian and the artistic community, she's 
a well-known figure and respected. Could you tell us what your Amala is up to these days? Like, I know that you post a lot of things of what your Amala does. Like, is your Amala well? Like, she's doing well. She's doing very well, and she's living in Chengdu now. In her home, she she don't have to take care of me and my brother anymore. <laughs> so she has a lot of time to to herself. She's doing so much artwork, so much studies, uh, researching a lot on her art achievements and. Yeah, um, she misses us a lot. She always says that. We miss her too, but she knows that we're here uh, safe and sound under the care of His Holiness the Dalai Lama. So she says like she's so happy that we're here. She will be even happier. She wouldn't be happier if I, we were back in China and stayed with her. That's inspiring to hear, and on that note, even I miss my parents, like, oh. <laughs> for that matter. But you can, you can meet them whenever you want, right? Yeah. Mm. But it's alright, these days with the technique and everything, I can always FaceTime my mom. You can connect them with yeah. them, right? Yeah. I would like to ask you, what is the current situation of Occupy Tibet? And do you believe our sisters and brothers under the occupation can hope for a better future and eventually fulfill the wishes of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, who you personally interacted with your fellow Salar graduates when all of you got an audience with him? When I first came to India, uh, we will get like a personal audience as refugees. So as like the first arrival, Sarjo. Mm. So that that time when uh, this guy told Gundun uh, that my Amla sent us, sent me and my brother in Excel to learn Tibetan, and what Gundun said was, "Oh, like study Tibetan, study Tibetan well," and that's what have kept in me for so many years and. Uh, after graduating from Sara, I was so glad and I feel like, oh, like I did what Gundun told me to do five years ago. And I am really like um, overwhelmed, overwhelmed by that. And uh, by the time I met him, uh, the, the, the person that was explaining things, he said like, oh, she's from Sara College. They were just graduated and Gundun just immediately held my he held my head and put me on his uh, uh, lap I, c I could feel I could feel the warm temperature of his lap and it, it just went for like half a minute it was so I was crying I was like I couldn't control myself although I did try to but yeah I feel like it was a wonderful day in my life it's not a big achievement but I feel like oh like something a lot of things changed. Current situation in Tibet is uh, emergent. In Tibet, we say Zada. Yeah, our culture is fading. Our identity is being washed away. But I believe that the truth and justice shall prevail one day. And I believe that our sisters and brothers in Tibet have never lost in hope in the truth and in us. So the bare minimal we, we could do is not let the CCP get uh, what they want, which is for this nation to eventually fade away from history and this world. And to do so, we need to keep our identities alive, our language alive, and our culture alive. I believe that that's what His Holiness wants, and that's what Tibet now needed, needs. And on that note, Shingila, like, uh, what kind of vision of a future Tibet do you see personally? And to fulfill that vision, like, what sort of mission or tactics should be organized you know, to achieve it? So first of all, I think it's a vision of Tibet 
where His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama will be giving precious teachings in front of the Podala Palace in Lhasa. Uh, then it's a vision of Tibet where families never have to be separated from each other unwillingly. It's a vision of Tibet where our children are able to speak about the struggles we're facing now as, a hist as histories. Uh, it's a vision of Tibet where songs and prayers of joy arise from different corners of Chokhasom, also known as the three regions of Tibet. So for your next question, no matter what organization you are from or just as an individual, I, th I think for you or for us, never forget about our struggles. Never forget about what our goals are and what we should value most. Never forget about the countless efforts that have been done by His Holiness and the elder generations, uh, both in exile and in Tibet. Never forget about the brothers and sisters we have lost during so much peaceful protests. And mostly, never forget to love this nation deeply and unconditionally. Definitely. Yeah. So we're running short on time and I definitely would like to carry this conversation much longer but I have to wrap it up here unfortunately. So finally, do you have any messages to our fellow Tibetans worldwide and even the plethora of Tibet supporters who continue to stand in solidarity with us Tibetans? I think, uh, uh, I've, as I've mentioned before, I think it is in important to preserve our culture, our identities for the Tibetan, most, mostly youths. And I sincerely appreciate our uh, supporters for your support and hope your support never ends. Uh, as His Holiness has always mentioned, the oneness in humanity. We believe every sentient being was once our mother in the innumerable past lives. We believe that every consequence has a cause and a good cause always leads to a good fruit. So your standing in solidarity with us Tibetans will never will not only show your support in truth itself, but also connect us into pursuing a more bright and peaceful world and future. So thank you. Thank you, Shimila. And on that note of oneness, preservation of our Tibetan culture and identity, which I think your Amala really cared about and sending you to exile to learn about our very culture, you know, is an inspiration to us. And I, as a Tibetan in the diasporic community, would like to thank your Amala personally. And on behalf of FNVA, I would like to thank you thank for you. coming to our show and expounding much detail about what's happening in occupied Tibet, what a Tibetan lady goes through in exile. It's definitely inspiring to hear all of these anecdotes which you shared with us. Thank you so much, Angela. Thank you so much. I had a great time. More updates and videos by FNVA. Click on the link and please subscribe to our channel. Thank you for watching.